when it comes to Major League Baseball, will there, won't there be a season? Well, on Sunday, the Players Association dropped down a proposal for a 114-game season, pro-rated contracts, and they said once the owners got their hands on it, they will dismiss that proposal immediately. Well, with the conversation they had yesterday and a vote yesterday, it was dismissed immediately, and the owners had no... They had no counter offer, as I think they're already saying, like, yo, we've already put our offer out there, and that was initially an 82 game regular season. Now it's going to be a 50 to 60 game range season, but we will pay prorated, but it'll be 50 games. So there's that, Nelson. And then you said what and gone in 60 at 620 this morning. What did David Stearns, the Brewers GM, have to say? He's he's hopeful. He thinks there's going to be a season. He doesn't know exactly how many games there's going to be, but he is pretty sure that there's going to be at least a baseball season. And what's the what's the adage? What's the hashtag? In Stearns we trust. Right? That's still a that's still a thing. That's been said quite a bit the last few years. On these airwaves and just in the state of Wisconsin yep, in general. Because he hasn't really done much to, to not trust him. No GM is perfect. No GM hits at 100%. David Stearns hits at a very high level, though. And Stearns we trust. So as I'm scrolling around, I see other people, you know, just kind of talking about a season that potentially could be. Now, uh, one thing they agreed on, the Players Association and the owners did agree on this week, was a regional schedule where you would play in your division and then your you know, you're, you're opposite your division in the AL. So the Brewers will play the NL Central and the AL Central. And they say why central contenders like Cubs, Indians, Cardinals could benefit from a regional Major League Baseball schedule. So they're saying that the central division teams are going to benefit the most out of that. Last season, here's how these loops fared against competition from outside of the 2019 division. The teams of the NL and AL Central had a cumulative record of 58 games below 500 and a cumulative run differential of minus 299 outside of the NL and the AL Central. Huh, that's pretty crazy. A below 500 record. Now it's baseball, though. The teams, yeah, in there. So they're saying if you were to play in your division, you'd have a more, I guess, competitive, entertaining games. So there's that. But Nelson, then I saw this article of who on each team, which one guy, the guy with the most to prove in 2020 for all 30 Major League Baseball teams. I'm looking at who they suggested has the most to prove this season for the Brewers. Two names came to mind. Uh, who? Who is the – okay, who are they? What names come to your mind? The first two names that come to mind for the Brewers that have something to prove, one, Ryan Braun, and two, Keston Hira. Nelson, your first assumption, spot on. Right here they say the guy that has the most to prove for, if there is a season, Ryan Joseph Braun. They say presumably the Brewers won't pick up his $15 million mutual option for 2021. But with the universal DH looming, Braun will have more opportunity in the seasons ahead. So whenever he gets back onto the field, he'll be playing for his next deal, likely to be for one year. Your thoughts on that, Nelly? Well, that's kind of exactly why he entered my mind first. He's on what would be technically the last year of his deal because, like the article said, next year the Brewers – they aren't going to pick up a mutual option of $15 million for Ryan Braun. No. Especially for a guy that you hope can play, can stay healthy and play 120 games. And he's not the same player that he was. It's pretty evident. And the, the fact is that Ryan Braun's going to have to produce for a team like the Brewers to give him another year. Like they said, give him another deal. Because... Right now, he's probably best suited to play DH, and obviously that doesn't really work when you play in the NL. But now with the rule changes this year, or the potential rule changes for this year, the potential that could help him stay healthy. That could put him into a DH position. And for next year, if people see that, maybe a team like the Yankees or someone like that that plays in the AL would be more likely to reach out with an offer for him. Okay, but... 
when a guy that has the most to prove, that's that's what the article is. One guy on each team has the most to prove. Hasn't Ryan Braun already proved what he is? He's thirty six years old. Your, your second well, I think, your second thing was Keston Hira. Isn't he doesn't Keston Hira have way more to prove than a Ryan Braun? Keston Hira needs to work on his defense. Keston Hira needs to show that he can maintain hitting at a high level in the majors. Keston Hira also has to prove that he's worth something as he's making, you know, hardly any money compared to the likes of Braun. I think it means just for their ability to stay on the roster for the next season. Because even if Keston here doesn't play very well this year yeah, in, in 50 or 60 games, Keston here is going to be on the roster with the Brewers for 2021. He's going to be expect, expected to have a bounce back season, even though didn't really call it a season when it's 50 games. But you know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's going to be expected to bounce back. Braun, on the other hand, has to prove himself in these 50 to 60 games if they play because he might not be back next year. He might not have an offer from any team next year. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is what does Ryan Braun have left to prove? If he's if he's done after this well, year has, at the age 36 has, and he's got he's got the an insane amount of money in the bank, he can just retire and he's fine. Like what well, does he have left to prove? Does he want to retire? He's got to prove that he can still play and play at a high level and stay yeah, healthy. Yeah, I, I get that, but it's to me a guy that has more to prove would be like a Keston Hero. Or, I don't know, a Brandon Woodruff. Someone, Nelson, when it comes to Brewers starting pitching, isn't that the biggest question? Isn't Brandon Woodruff the guy that's supposed to be the answer? Well, he's your ace. Yes, he is. And but he was their how much ace trust last you year, have, except for he got injured. How much trust do you have in Brandon Woodruff being an ace for the Milwaukee Brewers for a couple of years to come? I have a lot of trust in that. Don't, and doesn't, don't, he needs to prove that this year, if there is a season? Doesn't he have the most to prove? As I'm going to be the ace for the Brewers, Wouldn't you, who would you rather have a, a Braun trying to prove it at 36 or a Brandon Woodruff trying to prove that he's your future ace? Well, it's it's such a shortened season for these young players that I don't think they have as much to prove because it's a shortened season. You don't you don't see very much. Where oh, he's another year older. He's 28 now. Like that's not old, right? Mm-hmm. Or Keston Hira, he's another year older and he didn't play well for 50 games. Oh, he's only 24, like for the next year. Ryan Braun will be 37. That's that's where I get where they're coming from with this thing. He has to Just prove to it. prolong his career. Yeah, with he DH has coming. to prove it right now to prolong his career. If he, if he can't prove it in these 50 to 60 games and say he, say he bats like 220 and mm-hmm. he doesn't play very well, yeah, it was only 50 to 60 games, but now your last impression is Ryan Braun playing 50 to 60 games at age 36. He didn't play very well, and now he's all of a sudden a year older for the next season. How about this? T. Lenoy on Twitch, he says, I want a young, hungry Woodruff to prove he's the guy, but Braun needs to prove that he can still swing the bat. And that's exactly right. Like, Woodruff will – you want to see Woodruff. You want to see Kesson Hira – continue to take those steps and become well I guess Woodruff was an all-star last year yeah but all-stars and perennial all-stars but you need to see Braun do it to make the case to bring him back next year even on a lesser contract I just I, I want I guess yeah it's want versus need I also want Woodruff to prove that he's the guy like if Braun doesn't do it there's no need to bring him back next year that's a good point When's the last time you could like look at the Brewers and be like, "Here's an ace," man? <laughs> right? Like this well, I mean, is the this is the ace. They had Zach Grinky. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. Ivani Gallardo back in the day, Ben Sheets. Yeah, what's Gallardo's the one that's the closest in time? Big Yo. Those three, Ivani Gallardo at his peak. <laughs> how well, how long is Gallardo's peak though for? That was uh, Ben Sheets, Ivani Gallardo, briefly. Zach Grinky, CC uh, Sabathia for half a season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then we all wanted Jimmy Nelson really bad to be that guy, but it never was in the card. Chase right? Anderson that same year in 2017 also had a really good season. I, I wouldn't call him and. I wouldn't call him an ace, but but yeah. him and Jimmy Nelson pitched like aces for two thirds of a year. 
and then neither one of them ever backed it up again so far. Yeah. And neither are currently on the roster. That's why that's why to me it's like I yes, I want Brandon Woodruff to prove that he's the guy. I also feel like I need Brandon Woodruff to do that because we just listed off Brewers aces and it's very few and far between. And from for when Brandon Woodruff was healthy, did he not look like an ace? He totally did. Now, he could course, swing the stick, too. Of course, he had to have an injury, and he, it kept him out for months. Of course. But, I mean, the Brewers found a way. They made it into the playoffs. That was with your ace being on the shelf for months and your best player getting hurt. How about for the Chicago Cubs? They say the player that needs to prove it is John Lester. That's, again, just because he's old. Just because he's old. And he's getting paid quite a bit of money. The respect for him as a big-game pitcher will stand forever, but as Derek Jeter once said, once you reach your 30s and you have a down year, everyone assumes you're just old. Lester, at 36, had a 6.09 ERA in his last 11 starts in 2019, and he could use a 2020 season to mitigate the implication of those numbers, yada, 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 yada. And they just talk about his deal, his money. Yeah, there's another guy of just being old. The Cincinnati Reds, they say it's Trevor Bauer that needs to uh, step up to the plate and and prove his worth. Because of his omnipresence in social media, there is always there always will be a debate in front offices over production versus distraction. Well, yeah, he's the guy that's that laughed at the MLB owner's proposal. They did. He's the guy that's very has been very vocal on Twitter. Oh, about yeah. how players need to get paid and blah, blah, blah. But he's also a guy that he's been really good for the Indians. Now he's with now the Reds. Now he's got to prove it with but the he Reds. But yeah, he was good w- with the Indians. He was also, at times, very average with yeah. the Indians. Like He's been an inconsistent player, and now he's he was with the Reds for, what, half a season, and now I think he's on a one-year deal with the Reds this year. But yeah... He's just been inconsistent. Like he shows that he's got the ability to be an ace and be really good, but then he's also toiled around with like being a third starter. So on social media a couple of weeks ago, I saw Trevor Bauer, who's been very vocal about and that never helps Major League you. Baseball. Never. You, yeah. you have to perform if you're going to be vocal about you something. You have to perform and be good. Totally. Trevor Bauer said, "I, I forget exact. I don't remember it verbatim, but it was essentially." Do you guys want me to keep talking about the Players Association and the owners, or do you want me to shut up and play baseball? And I'd say 75 to 80% of the comments back to him were, shut up and play baseball. And Uh, now you have to do it at a high level, or you're going to get criticized. Yeah. Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates, they have Joe Musgrove, and it's one sentence. He's 27 with a good season and stands to become a nice trade chip for Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's how you know Pittsburgh's going to be awful. Next team. (laughs) And I like how they have – this is just the bias, I think, of the St. Louis Cardinals and their fan base. It's one guy for each team, but for some reason, only the Cardinals, they give two. Dexter Fowler and Andrew Miller. What do you think of those two? If I remember correctly, Fowler didn't play very good last year. Uh, And Miller's been hurt quite a bit. Yes. That's just off the top of my head, though. For Fowler, he pushed his way back into the picture for St. Louis in 2019 as he improved. Uh, he's 34, 34 years old this season, year four of his five-year deal, and given the outfield depth of St. Louis, his opportunity in 2021 might largely be shaped by his performance this year. See, I would have guessed for the Cardinals, if they would have listed two guys, I would have guessed it would have went with Yadier Molina just because he's been, he's, mull- ancient. he's been mulling retirement. And then all of a sudden he'll sign like two-year extensions. <laughs> and he's still extremely good at catching. And the other guy I would have guessed was uh, Matt Carpenter just because he had a really down year, and he's been uh, a key player for the Cardinals for quite a while now. I wouldn't mind Yadier Marlena just hanging up and saying he's going to retire, you know? I've, I feel like a lot of teams wouldn't mind that, especially in the NL Central. I wouldn't mind that at all. Yadier, if you want to just hang it up because I know you're listening, feel free, brother. You got my full support on that. I didn't miss anyone there, did I? No, I didn't. I covered all the teams. So there you go. The uh, top guy for each team, unless you're the Cardinals, you get two of them, who needs to produce. Ryan Braun, that was the one for the Brewers. As we welcome in the man of Forbes.com, the man in the arena, if you will, Rob Reichel. Robbie, what's up, dude? 
Yeah, we've all been locked out of that arena since the Combine, Evo. <laughs> <laughs> the last time any of us have seen any of these NFL people, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Hey, Rob, the last guy to... open back up. I was thinking about that the other day, though. Literally, like, the last NFL event I've been at was the Combine in late February. That's really the last time any of us have seen, yeah. you know, any, any of these people. Typically, there's mini camps and OTAs going on now. We would have all gathered for the draft, and we'd be gearing up for training camp, yada, yada. But uh, it's a weird summer. It's a weird time. Very weird time, Rob. I think the last person to be in a stadium actually was that guy who broke into Miller Park and ran around the bases <laughs> or whatever. I think he's the last guy to be in it. I think um, he took Bernie Slide down, didn't he? He had a, yeah. he had a, quick, he had a quick meal at Fridays. And, and he slammed a couple uh, Miller Lights. Out of there, right, Evo? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the last guy that was in an arena, man. That's crazy. Yeah, we're on day 85 right now, Robbie, with no major sports here in America. Pretty crazy. 85. And we're definitely going to reach 100. It's uh, pretty nuts, man. Pretty nuts indeed. Well, you know, it, it's a credit to you for keeping a great show going. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting times for people like me trying to still fill newspapers and put out content in, in places, but it's uh, we're, we're getting closer, Evo. We're, we're getting, getting closer. Some of, these, some of these powers that be apparently, apparently are uh, figuring some things out, and like we've talked about before on your show, I, I don't think the NFL is going to alter their plans no. whatsoever, and other than other than how they're going to make training camp work here now. Yeah, and, that's what I was going to ask uh, you about, Robbie. So, yeah, they, yeah. they did alter a little bit of plans here. So the, the NFL is not going to have, you know, joint practices. Does it matter that – because I remember Aaron Rodgers and some other players not liking the fact that they had to play against another team in training camp. Does it matter to anyone that the Browns aren't coming to play with the Packers? Well, I'll just say this, Evo. The majority of people I talked to last year after those practices really liked them. Um, Rodgers clearly didn't, and – you know, he, he certainly got the most headlines and, and the most words were written about the fact that, you know, he, he was kind of a malcontent about that situation. Um, I, I think there's a ton of positives to that, seeing other opponents. He, he obviously, he didn't like the fact that he just didn't think they were making quite enough progress with a first-year coach in, in terms of what they were and weren't getting accomplished on the practice field. Some of it was dumbed down versus, versus that opponent, and they were losing some practice time, he thought, from – from that perspective, but but Evo, I just I, I think there's real benefits to to seeing other people. Is is it going to hurt them in the long run? No, I mean they they had 15 years roughly. I think the Bills in I think it was like 05 had been the last team to uh, to scrimmage Green Bay. They had come to Green Bay that summer. I think it was late Sherman or early McCarthy. It might have been late Sherman. Um, it was it was the last time they saw another live opponent. But no, obviously with you know, with COVID and the pandemic, they're going to limit travel as much as possible. They're going to limit exposure for as long as possible to the other teams and other people. Um, that, believe me, Evo, they're going to have so much to work on and so much to get caught up on after having this virtual spring here mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it, it, it's not going to hurt them whatsoever. I think they're all going to be in chase mode, um, trying to get caught up on a, a lot of the stuff they would instill live and you know so to speak with their hands on the players um in in a practice setting versus just through their computers um there's no question every team in the league is going to be behind from a physicality standpoint from from where they are typically when they show up in in late july and, and and practice and scrimmage through the course of the summer but uh you know i just just from a fan's perspective evo and you know Selfishly, from from the perspective of a, re, of a reporter, I love to see those live scrimmages. I, I love to see them go head to head with another team. I, I do think there's some some real positives and upside that that can be achieved there. But uh, but I get what they're doing there. It, it totally makes sense from a you know limit the exposure to other people standpoint. Yeah. So moving forward, Robbie, when you talk about you know them getting set kind of a little bit behind with these virtual workouts and whatnot. What wide receiver? I saw this that Aaron Rodgers was excited about uh, Equiminius St. Brown getting, you know, returning from his back injury. What wide receiver, in your humble opinion, do you think could potentially surprise us moving forward for the season? Yeah, I wrote that about a week ago too myself, Evo. I mean, he would be, and he's the guy I kind of targeted as as you went position by position and kind of looked where the. I did a roster breakdown and I kind of outlined exactly what the big questions were big things you might might expect to see at, at each various position. And, and St. Brown was the guy I I certainly targeted, too, with the wide receiver group. And Ebo, as much as anything with that, 
he he's just kind of to me the the one guy who's still a little bit of an unknown and and has a lot of upside. We we just haven't seen as much of him because he spent all last year on IR with that ankle injury. I mean, we we know Valdez Scantling can run, right? But but he doesn't know the route tree. We know we know guys like Funchess and Lazard don't have great speed, but they're okay possession receivers, right? We know Kumaro's pretty average by now. We we know a lot about these other guys. Um, we know Adams is a pro bowler. Yeah. We don't quite yet know everything there is to know about St. Brown. I think he had about 21 catches, 300-some-odd yards his, his rookie season. He came on a little bit. I think he had about two-thirds of those catches, Evo, in the second half of 18. Um, the, the, the concerning thing to me, Evo, is he suffered that ankle injury last year. I think it was the Raiders preseason game, which which was preseason game three, I want to say. And, Evo, it was probably about a two-month injury. Um, and they, but they designated him for season-long injured injured reserve immediately. They put him on the end-of-the-year IR already in August. And you saw with guys like Sternberger and Raven Green and, and people like that, you know, you're allowed to bring a few guys back through the course of the year. They would sit out eight weeks, and then you've got the option to bring them back at some point in time. They didn't even give themselves the option with that, you know, with, with St. Brown. They put him on – they ended his year for him immediately and I you know that that would be the one question you know why did they do that because they probably could have brought him back in November or December um maybe it was just because all those guys you know were, were kind of in a in a cluster together through the course of the summer Evo and they probably didn't see a whole lot of separation between a guy like Lazard and St. Brown or you remember Shepard had, had a really good summer mm-hmm. last year and they liked him and they were high on him for a while but um he is the one guy I, I, I really am looking forward to seeing this summer, Evo, to see if he's made some strides and some growth. He's a heck of an athlete. I say he, you know, as much as anybody inside that group, he probably has as much upside and potential. And when we've talked about it, uh, you know, until we're blue in the face, right. they need somebody to jump up and be the number two. And um, I know they're, they're probably targeting Lazard for that role, Evo, but you know, a guy that lumbers like he does, who just doesn't run all that well, um, I just I think there's a – there's a ceiling that he may have already hit, and uh, with a guy like St. Brown, I don't think he's close to a ceiling yet. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now at Forbes.com. Also find him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, um, just you know, changing gears a little bit here. We saw this on CBSSports.com yesterday, and we were talking about it, and then we tried to make our own list, but it was the franchise five, the top five you know, best. It was a quarterback, three non-quarterbacks, and then a coach that CBS Sports did for the the best all-time for a franchise. And it was Brett Favre as the quarterback, uh, Don Hudson, Ray Nitschke, Reggie White, and then the coach, shockingly, wasn't Mike McCarthy, but it was Vince Lombardi. Uh, (laughs) My my question is, I mean, I agree with all those, but maybe could you make the case that Bart Starr got hosed over Brett Favre? I know you're a big Brett Favre guy. Yeah, I mean, I am. I I think – to a large extent, you could certainly make the case, you know, Favre saved football in Green Bay. They had 25 straight years of losing and, you know, the fan base uh, amazingly. And I don't think anybody 25, 30 years old can understand or believe this when I'm going to say this. But the fan base, Evo, had largely become apathetic with Green Bay Packer football. I mean, the joke that when I grew up in the 80s, the joke was, you know, you go into church, you put two Packer tickets on your windshield, you come out, there's four of them there. I mean, people people weren't interested, Evo. They didn't want to go. And, you know, so to me, Favre is probably the guy. I mean, he really brought football back to Green Bay. I've talked to Bob Harlan about this, Evo. Bob Harlan doesn't think they would have had all these expansion projects and, and the growth inside of, of Lambeau. I mean, that was a 60,000-seat stadium when Favre showed up. It's 80,000 today you know, due to multiple construction projects. I don't, I don't know if you have, you know, Mark Murphy Village over there, if it wasn't for Brett Favre. I mean, there's, there's a lot of dots you can connect. And, I mean, no, none of us ever know. Maybe they would have found another quarterback in a, in a future draft. But, but what they did under Brett Favre, you know, kind of bringing football back and becoming a prominent story again, um, it's, it's, tough. it's tough not to give that nod to Favre. I mean, I know, I know Star won five championships, but he was surrounded by – Hall of Famers everywhere. We we've seen in the years since. Rob, they know, got so many Hall of Famers from that era that they can't even let them into the Hall of Fame. I know it's it, it's absolutely remarkable, right? And and it's Brett and Reggie from the '90s. So, um, you know, Evo, when I did 
When I did my book, it, it was called 100 Things uh, Packer Fans Should Know. I have it. I own died. it. It's right over here in my studio, Rob. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so was um, uh, No One's <laughs> Underdog, Mike McCarthy, Nobody's Underdog. Uh, you're probably one of about five people that has nobody's underdog. The, the other one did a lot better. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it's funny. I sat down with the Packer team historian. He, sadly, he's passed now, but his name is Lee Remo. And we put together, you know, a, 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 you know, kind of a sketch and an outline of a top 100. And, you know, Lee really helped me, especially, you know, he had seen a lot of those guys in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And, and Lee was adamant about Brett Favre over Bart Starr. And, you know, I, I made Favre number one. And, you know, in that book, it was it was it was really hard not to when I had the team historian telling me to go that route. And they've had unbelievable talent come through that franchise. We've we've seen, you know, I think they're second in terms of Hall of Famers behind the Bears, and, and there's a chance they'll catch them here in the next few years. But uh, yeah, I I would certainly make the case for Favre, although Star's close, Evo. He, I've always said this: Bart Star doesn't get enough credit. I think he's I think he's ten and one, isn't he? All time in in postseason yeah. games. He lost that game to the Eagles. And they said they'd never lose again. 60, and then they, they, they never lost again. So, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable it's remarkable what Bart Starr did in the postseason, you know, whether he was only throwing the ball 15 times a game or not. I mean, he almost operated back then, Evo, like a Badger quarterback does today, right? So, yeah. and, Brett Favre, and Brett Favre operated kind of like Russell Wilson did, you know, in his one year with the Badgers. So, it's, it, it's tough to compare apples to oranges. I mean, they're... They're both – you can easily make the case for both, but I, I would give the slate nod to Brett. All right, and Rob, before I let you go, my man, so then Nelly and I were thinking about it just because, you know, we're, we're a little bit younger than – so we know the past 20 years more so than the past, you know, 40 or 50. So the past 20 years, we're like, who would be on the Packers' all-time, you know, past two-decade list? And so we did one quarterback and then four players because, obviously, McCarthy – was going to be there because we're not going to throw Sherman in there. So McCarthy's your coach, but then we'll do Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, obviously, because, I mean, we're not going to throw up Seneca Wallace or Taysom Hill or, you know, insert whatever here. Aaron Rodgers, and then we were thinking maybe Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, Charles Woodson. And Amon Green. And Amon Green. This is the last 20 years? Last 20 years of any side of the ball. Hmm. What would you think of those? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but are any of those well, that you've raised an eyebrow to? I mean, you, you can make a terrific case for, for every, every single guy there. I mean, Amon Green's the franchise's all-time leading rusher now. That's, you know, that, that, that's not uh, a title to be taken lightly, right? He passed the great Jim Taylor when he, when he went ahead and did that. He, he had 1,883 yards in 2003. Um, he he kind of changed the way in the early olds they were playing football there. They actually became a run team. Um, so I, I think Green's a great pick. Um, I love the Charles Woodson pick. He'll wind up in the Hall of Fame. I think he was the absolute key uh, to that defense, uh, trending upward when they when they went and won a Super Bowl. They 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 had a huge jump under Capers in '09, and they became a dominant defense in '10 when they went ahead and won and won the Super Bowl. The only other guy maybe on that side of the ball you'd consider probably is Clay Matthews, right? Um, I think Clay Matthews made the play of the game in the Super Bowl when, when they wanted it. And to me, it, it all comes back to Super Bowls, why Rodgers is a no-brainer and why, why McCarthy is a no-brainer on your list there, Evo. I know Favre played seven or eight years. He played, you know, double O till 07 yeah. with Green Bay to, to start the decade. But, you know, Rodgers is a Super Bowl. Exactly. Favre, Favre this, you know, this century only reached uh, an NFC championship game. So, yes, you give the nod there to Rodgers. Um Nelson versus Driver, yeah, that that's close. You you had room for both. Yeah, we had room for both because I mean we were thinking about defensive players, and we were like, how could a defensive player besides Charles Woodson knock off the likes of a Jordy or a Donald Driver? Yeah, I had Clay Matthews come in as like he would be the sixth guy. Yeah, you know I might jump Clay over one of those receivers. Jordy's probably the best receiver that that uh, Rogers has played with. You know, Driver's Driver's numbers were clearly the best with Favre. He didn't quite have the same synchronicity with Rodgers that he that he did with Favre. I mean, Greg Jennings was in the middle of a remarkable run when when he went to Minnesota. But but Nelson at ten years, he he certainly has the longevity there. You know, guys, they've had great offensive linemen through this stretch too. I mean, Chad Clifton was a twelve year stud. Bakhtiari is going to be you know one one of the best linemen they they've produced. I mean, Sitton and Lang were Pro Bowl players, but but you know I I know it's it's, it's kind of tough to to promote somebody from from that group when there's not a, a clear, um, I don't know, difference between some of these uh, guys. No offense, so, no, offense, I, I, no offense I like to offensive linemen, Robbie. No offense to the offensive linemen, but are they really selling the sizzle here? 
<laughs> well, I get it. They're not they're not selling the sizzle, but but you're probably not watching Aaron Rodgers hold the ball for eight seconds if it's not uh, True. For those offensive linemen, and you're probably not watching a top five offense a lot of those years. Hey, but I say, hey, then they're just doing their job. Then they're just they're doing their job. Then they're doing their job. But but I'm just telling you, Evo, the last <laughs> you know ten to twenty years, they've had a few offensive lines in there that have done their job as well as any. Any dating back to the '60s, I mean, they've had some. They've had some outstanding. Mark Tauscher was a hell of a lineman. Mike Flanagan. They, they've had a really nice run here of offensive linemen. But I get it from a sizzle perspective. Um, I'd probably jump Matthews over. Mm, I'd probably jump Matthews over one of those receivers. Yeah. But I, I honestly, I, I can't. I can't decide between those two receivers. Evo, to be honest with you, Dri- Driver's the all-time franchise leader in receptions and anyone and dancing yards. with the stars. And he's a hell of a dancer. You yep. got it. Well, you check this it. out, Robbie. Nelson a, brought this stat up. It's a great discussion, though. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun for your listeners. You, 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 you probably can't go wrong if you're picking two between Nelson Driver and uh, Clay Matthews. Yeah, I'll leave you this stat for the land of confusion, and Nelson found it yesterday. What does Mitch Trubisky, Don the Magic Man Mikowski, and Jordy Nelson all have in common? They all have one Pro Bowl. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Wow. Well. Yeah. Trubisky's still got time to add to that. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Robbie. We appreciate it. We'll check you out at Forbes.com and at Twitter at Rob Reichel. All right. You guys have a great weekend. You see as well, Robbie. See you, buddy. There you go, Nelly. One of those unfortunate Robs. Clay's getting the nod. Unfortunate facts. Clay's getting the nod over one of them. Which one would it be? I don't know. But uh, that's Rob's list. All right, we'll be right back. Be sure to check Rob out on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Good stuff right there. 1130. That's the time today when Adam Silver trots his proposal. I guess he wouldn't trot it anywhere. He would show it via Zoom. A conference call with the Board of Governors of the NBA. And they're going to vote on bringing the NBA back. 22-team format in Orlando, Florida. A little different twist here. So, each of the 22 teams will play eight regular season games. For seeding purposes for the playoffs, doesn't that kind of screw the Bucks, who were the best team in the entire NBA, Nelly? Like, what if a team, let's say, you know, so the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Suns, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Wizards are all coming as eight and nine seeds. There'll be an eight and nine seed play-in game. Let's say a team gets hot, and the Bucks, who were the I just don't like the optics of it. Like, how can't you have the Bucks and the Lakers be the one seeds on each opposite side when they spent all season doing it, and now everything you work for during the season is all for naught? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, doesn't doesn't that hurt the Bucks? Yeah, and a lot of the rules that they proposed, did they really give any advantages? Yeah. So here's the rules that we were talking about to help the higher seeded teams have a long-shot alternative at somehow getting a home-court advantage. One of the suggestions was the higher-seeded team would be awarded first possession of the second, third, and fourth quarters following the traditional jump ball. I, uh, I know come fourth quarter in the NBA, every possession is precious. But how much are you giving a team a home court advantage by giving them just the first possession of the second, third, and fourth quarter. How much is that really yeah, like it, doing? It, what's that really doing for you? It kind of changes the the game, right? Yeah, it does. It, it changes. Now the game. that being said, when we first went through it, I was not really a fan of it. But after you read the rest of them, <laughs> you came around to it. I think that's probably the best rule that would give the higher seed the most competitive advantage so all right so let me read the other ones see if you come around any other ones the second scenario discussed was the higher seeded team is allowed to designate one player to be able to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six so what do we know about Giannis Ndokumbo Giannis Ndokumbo for some reason despite being a superstar still does not yet get the calls that a, someone like a LeBron James would get. So maybe you would designate Giannis to be allowed to get another foul, seven instead of six. Or maybe because now they're in this hyper-focused 22-team format, 
Giannis, who is a big superstar because they're cutting down on superstars, Giannis now will start getting calls, and you could designate like an Ursan Ilyasova another foul, and he can go out there and be your enforcer. See, I, I, it's so weird to me just because the NBA obviously has six fouls to follow out versus five for college so that they can keep their stars in and they don't follow out, right? Mm-hmm. How many? We, we already kind of went back. We can come up with like one time that Giannis actually followed out in a game that mattered. Is this really going to impact that many games? Like you already get six. <laughs> it's a lot of fouls. Well, you get a seventh. I would I would honestly designate like Ursan Ilyasova, Ursanity. Ursan, you're going to go out there and you're going to be the enforcer. The Turkish Thunder is now the Turkish enforcer. I would love it. I love Ursan. I'm one of the members of the Ursan fan club. 608 321 let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Joan Ebo Show. Who do I got? Hey, I forgot to say goodbye a couple hours ago. Hey, it's the wizard, so, Dave from Anona. So, goodbye. <laughs> what time did Dave call in? The first time? Oh, man. It was like 6.40? It was probably at least two hours ago. Two hours ago, Dave called in, and he just hung up. And I said, where was my goodbye? Dave was literally thinking about saying goodbye for two hours. Dave, I'm in your head. I got you, bro. So, there you go, Dave. I got to say goodbye. It just took you two hours. Thanks for thanks for that. All right, so the next one would be the higher-seeded team would receive an extra coach's challenge. Okay. It, it, essentially, like you're getting another timeout. Yeah, and I'm going to say the casual fan didn't even know there were challenges in the NBA. They tried it in the NBA. Or they're trying. This is the first year in 2019-2020 season. And it was less than a 50% hit rate that a call was overturned, that it worked out in the coach's favor. A, a lot of them were just kind of using it as an extra timeout, so I, I guess you get an extra timeout. And then the next one would be, this is where it gets a little funny. The higher-seeded team is able to transport their actual hardwood home court from their home arena to Orlando to try to preserve the feel of their home playing experience. I... As silly as that one sounds, I actually, I actually and honestly do like that one. Because if, if you got, listen, professional athletes will do anything to give themselves the advantage. Professional athletes, Aaron Rodgers still is motivated by Alex Smith getting drafted in front of him. Aaron Rodgers reads every single clipping of him, and he'll put it on his own little personal board to get inspired over it. You have so many players that get inspired over Michael Jordan. We just watched The Last Dance, right, Nelly? How many times did we see MJ? getting inspired and pissed off about stuff he would just make up in his own mind. They'll do anything they can in their power to have an advantage over someone. So if the Bucks were to bring their own home court to make it feel like they had a home court advantage, I'm all for it. It's not like you're changing the game of basketball. All right, and then this one. Here you go. An off-court feature. This is the last scenario. An off-court feature in which playoff teams in order of seeding 1 through 16, would receive first choice on picking which hotel they will stay at in the wide world of sports complex and Disney World Resort. What do you think of that one, Rowdy? I think they're all ridiculous. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like some of them, but yeah. The one that I think is, uh, I mean, it's already a weird season anyways. It's already a season where you're going to look back and be like, whatever, dude. COVID-19 struck, and we had to adapt. So let's get weird with it. I don't know, man. Out of all those, I think I would rather, if I had to pick one, I would go with the first one, where you have the tip to start the game, and then the higher seed gets the ball to start the second, third, and fourth quarter. Because I think if you look at all of them, that in terms of the game gives them the most advantage being the higher seed. Like, really? Do you really think... You're going from a five-star hotel in Disney down to a dingy, cringy motel. Like, is it really going to matter where they sleep? It's all going to be nice. Yeah, it's all nice. And we were looking up the hotels uh, in Disney, and there's uh, three tiers. There's the deluxe, which is the expensive ones. There's the moderate, which obviously the the middle-of-the-road ones. And when I say middle-of-the-road, they're still expensive and nice. And then there's the value resorts. 
do you does it really matter if you get an extra timeout or challenge that the challenge only works 50% of the time roughly? Yeah, less than 50. Maybe, you know, maybe. Is an extra foul for one of your players really going to make that much of a difference yeah, in I think most the, games? The follow would, yeah. That that has more of a, you know, hard follows with guys breaking away and whatnot. Becker just hit me up. Becker says, I designate Giannis. He could play harder defense for an extra foul. I don't mind the foul one, designating one player. It only it only affected him in one game. Yeah, that's fine. But it can, you can, wouldn't you rather have that in your back pocket than not? I think 99% of people would say yes. If you're a coach, Nelson, wouldn't you rather have an extra foul in your back pocket than not? I'm just saying it might. If you say you, no, then I don't think you should ever coach basketball. I'm just saying it, you might not. It might not ever come down to needing it. Okay, but at least you would have it. And then the court ones just. I like the court one. They should bring the <laughs> retro court. Bring the court that they had to repl- replicate the mecca. That would be cool. The court one is. The court one doesn't affect the game of basketball at all. It's just maybe giving you an edge of your home team of like something that looks familiar. Yeah, here's here's a job. When they play the quote-unquote home games, they get to have their court, and then when the away team plays their home games, they'll they'll have uh, workers come in and change the the floor. So it'll be like a the Bucks floor for the first few games, and then the Magic will get to have their floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it'd so be cool dumb. to see. I think it'd be cool. I don't know why it's dumb. It's 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 a unique idea. What do you want it? To, I feel like you just want it to be a basic court that no one can complain about, right? Yeah. Why? Why don't we not have fun with it? Because that's probably exactly what the court looks like. Okay, but why not have like the, the bring the retro court in and just have some fun with it? What what's wrong with that? It's not an advantage. Okay, but what's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with it. So why be a hater on it? Because it, it doesn't give you any advantage. Okay, but what's what does it matter though? It just look aste- you're aesthetically, be, it'd be cool. It's supposed to be giving the higher seeded team an advantage to win. What if it makes Giannis and company like feel like they're more at home and it makes them play easier? More relaxed and at ease and not all tense. How do you know it doesn't give him a whole court advantage? Oh, it's because it's just wood. Okay, but what's wrong with it, though? Explain to me what's wrong with it. I literally just told you it's a pe- it's a wood. You uh, bounce yeah, the basketball but, on it. Well, it's I mean, like all the other why wood. Why hate on it, though? That's what I don't understand. Because if you're looking for an advantage, it really doesn't give you one. Like like getting- So would you be mad if they did it? If they chose it, yeah, I would question why they chose it. I'd want to know a definitive answer on why do you think that so, gives you a... So, yeah, you would be mad. I'd want to know a good answer. <laughs> uh, there's no winning with you, is there? You're a hard man to please, Nelly, with this. If I am the higher seed and I want an advantage, why wouldn't I pick something that gives me an advantage? What if they, what if they think it gives them an advantage? So you, you, you and Nelson will say they're wrong? Yep. And I would bully them into picking something else. Uh, sometimes I wonder about you. They have odds here for the 22 teams. And I want to break them down with you. Based on the current title odds, the Philadelphia 76ers could be a sleeper pick at plus 2,500. See, that's the thing. Like, what if the, what if the 76ers come in and get hot? But all season, what if they played it out regularly and there was no – let's say there was no COVID-19. Like, this – I guess at the end of the day, when you look at the season, is it going to be, if the Bucks win it, I'll be happy, I'll be excited, but I guess I'll take a page out of your book and I'll still be a little grumpy about it because it was we were robbed of something that could actually come to fruition, a legit regular season where the Bucks hoist the title since the 70s. I still, I think I'm going to be a little jaded if the Bucks win it. I know you'll be jaded, Nelson, right? Well, that that goes for the Bucks. That would go for the Brewers. That goes for even down to the court. Jaded. Uh, ask and we shall receive in all of his glory. The Zach Halperin joins us. What's up, Zach? Good morning, man. Morning, guys. How you doing? I'm doing well. And uh, we were just talking a little bit about the NBA getting back into action here. Nelson's, believe it or not, not a fan of any of these ideas to uh, have uh, home court or some semblance of home court for these uh, higher-seeded teams. In fact, he even hates the idea of them bringing their own hardwood court with them to Orlando. <laughs> I don't think that's actually going to – do you think that's actually going to happen? Like, I, I mean – If it does, I, doesn't, I think it's cool. Changing it out after every game. It would be annoying for the guys doing the job, but it doesn't affect the game of basketball. But if I, I was saying if the Bucks feel like it's more at home for them and it gives them a little just 
you know, familiarity yeah. in a weird place, then why not do it? I like the idea. Look, they were the best team the entire season, and they're going to get nothing for it. Nothing. Nothing. They were, I mean, especially... Colt Willy Wonka, you get nothing! Their home court advantage during the regular season was insane, and they're not going to be able to get to take advantage of that. So, yeah, anything, any little bit of thing. Give Giannis seven fouls. Like, have you seen that suggestion? Yeah, we were yeah. talking about it. Give Giannis seven fouls. I was thinking if... so. He, there's, a, guy, a guy who's been in a lot of foul trouble... Yes. ...in certain games, not necessarily getting the calls that an MVP should... Yep. Seven fouls. When you, go was, to, when you go to seven, why don't they just say you can't follow out? Because guys fall out all the time. Have you, have you watched Summer League basketball ever? They give those guys ten fouls and guys fall out. Zach, here is my, here is my theory. Have you, you haven't seen that? I don't watch Summer League basketball. Oh, I'm too good for Summer League basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, I was thinking about this. Giannis no Antetokounmpo, one watches Summer League basketball. Y- y- you're wrong about that. Very wrong. Sorry, go ahead, Ebo. Giannis Antetokounmpo, so there's going to be 22 teams. There's going to be less teams. There's less superstars there, in theory, maybe. So Giannis, who hasn't been getting a lot of calls, maybe now the NBA is like, all right, we got to start propping Giannis up a little bit more because this is a hyper-focused stage. Let's start giving him more calls. Then we'll have Ursan Ilyasova designated with seven fouls, and he'll be <laughs> the enforcer out there. That works too. That w- there was my idea. Here's the thing. Giannis gets calls, but he also gets called four fouls that yeah. he probably – shouldn't, uh, whether it's because of what he's done in his career or the fact that they just aren't fouls, he's just a freak. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think you should. I think they should make an effort to give them some sort of an advantage considering you're essentially throwing out... I mean, Everything. pretty much 22 out of 30 teams make the playoffs. You have to... Or I shouldn't say make the playoffs. Are getting invited a, down a to chance. Orlando. 16 teams will make it. You know, more than half the league's making it. You have to give the teams that were the best teams throughout the entire year a little bit of... Uh, home court advantage totally. if you're playing in front of nobody. You have to. And uh, the other one we were kind of cracking jokes about, which <laughs> an off-court feature in which playoff teams in order of seeding 1 through 16 would receive first choice in picking which hotel they would stay at. And I did a, I did my own travel agency here. I started looking at the hotels. There's some pretty cool ones. All in, yeah, Disney, I mean, all the Disney hotels are really, really nice. They're not going to be staying in, like, crap holes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not, that's just not how it's going to be. Are they going to... Here's the question. Are they moving teams... Are, are going to be more than one team in one hotel, or all the teams are going to be in different hotels? That was my question too, because I was looking at the list of the resorts. They have six. They have six deluxe ones, then they have five moderate ones, one, two, three, and then they have five value ones. Yeah. So I mean, there's 16 right there, but you have 22 teams coming down. Right. Yeah. No, I'm. It'll be interesting to see how how it plays out, but I do think you have to give some a little bit of. Something to the team. Yeah, I just were, don't know exactly better. what. Like what? Then like they a, also have like oh, you could extra, get an extra, an extra time coaches out. challenge. Oh yeah, which which is coaches ch- whatever. It's they they the coaches challenge. There's less than fifty percent that the coaches win these things, but they do use it kind of like a timeout. Yeah, and then they have another one. It was it was what was it? Uh, you get the possession of ball to start the second, third, and fourth quarter. And not too bad either. You just you have to give them something. You do, and. Yeah. <laughs> And now I'm looking at this. Now they'll have the odds-on favorite to win it all. The goes to the Lakers. Of course, yeah. They got LeBron. What are you talking about, man? They have they, LeBron and AD. Yeah. I actually, man, what did I have on yesterday? It was a show, sports show, obviously. I can't remember what one it was. But they were saying how Stump they the think this actually puts the Lakers at a, a more of a disadvantage because these old guys have been off for a long time. I would have think that would be the opposite. I think getting rest in here is significant, but people forget that Giannis and Chris Middleton played basketball for almost 18 months straight because they went, they played obviously the NBA season, 2018, 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Then they went and played in the Olympics. They got barely any time off of the summer. And then they played again, uh, you know, through March. So they played almost a year and a half straight of basketball. You don't think that that's this four months off is going to have a significant Boon to them too, or uh, you know, give them a little bit of a boost. I think it will. I th- I think that the time it, off definitely helps. I think them. that's significant. But it, then you throw in the fact that they didn't have hoops. But they, they, uh, well, look, it's not like you forgot how to shoot also, a basketball. It's been or Giannis dunk a basketball. By, by the time they show up, uh, July thirty first to play those games, it'll have been two months yeah. since they've started doing work because again. they're back at the facilities, yes. right? Yes. yes, they just can't have more than X amount of play. And I don't even know if Who they're abiding by that. And I, I hope they're not. And I don't necessarily buy that they didn't shoot during this time either. I mean, like, I obviously, they don't have hoops, but uh, we heard Aaron Jones say that his guy opened up the 
the Packers running back, opened up a gym for him to yes. come and do workouts with his brother. So yeah. I, I feel like if Giannis wanted to go and shoot or if Chris Middleton wanted to go shoot, there's places to go find and shoot. My one biggest concern, I guess, moving forward once this does start out, because the vote's today at 1130, about being in Orlando, Florida at, at Disney – is the fact that the Lopez twins are obsessed with Disney. Yeah. That's my one concern is a giant distraction for, you know, Splash Mountain. But it's also the happiest place on earth. And when it is, don't look at me like that. I've been there. I was happy when I was there. What was that eye thing? That was? I was just kind of squinting. No, uh, it's it's called the happiest place on earth. So everyone's going to be in a great mood. I think it's going to be a very team bonding environment. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Look, they, I feel like I was dripping with a little bit of sarcasm there. I don't really care what the games are played. <laughs> I just I want games. I, yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I want something to talk about other than uh, when are they Proposals? coming back? When are they coming back? Right, when are they coming back? Speaking of games and being played, whatnot, we were kind of we talked about it very briefly yesterday when I saw you uh, in the hall, socially distant, of course. Was it though? Yeah. Well, you can. I rolled my eyes really hard. Um, Heilprin. There was a report out there from South Bend that the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game at Lambeau wasn't going to take place. And then you were telling me that the, what was it, the de- deputy athletic director was like, no. I didn't say that. but oh, um, What did you tell? Oh, that's the article I read. Yeah, that, that uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported yeah. that Wisconsin had no clue. Yeah, no clue. That's what it what, was. What, what they were talking about. you haven't heard anything. They, they, they haven't. No, and I haven't. And uh, actually, that's the thing, though. Uh, earlier this week, uh, season ticket holders got a – email from UW saying that they were not going to review the single-game ticket requests for games, home games, away games, uh, including the game at Lambeau Field, until there was more clarity on the season. So that kind of raises a little bit of, you know, a little bit of questions up in, in your head. Like, okay, they're not wanting to do this yet. They're not making a decision on whether that uh, for sure is going to happen. And they're not going to until they can, they can certainly do it. But yeah, um, they said that they hope to have clarity in the next few weeks. I don't know what they're going to learn in the next few weeks. Um, but How long have we been hearing but, that? But that is, that's what they said in the email. And, um, you know, again, I, I don't know. If, if they don't play the game at Lambeau Field, mm. it would likely be played at Notre Dame Stadium instead. Yeah. Um, because Notre Dame is the home game, is the home team at Lambeau Field. So that game would be there. And then so they just the, game next year, the game next year would be at Camp Randall. Okay, cool. And then, uh, well, if if they just swap it and figure it out, I yeah, do. I don't want to be robbed of having Notre Dame and Wisconsin at no, Lambeau it, Field. Eh, I would. I kind of would rather have it. I'd rather have it here. I'd rather have it here. I'd rather here at Camp Randall. Yes, but something about Lambeau Field is just. I'd rather, I'd rather have it at Notre Dame Stadium and Camp Randall. Two yeah, years I, I'd, than I'd Lambeau and Chicago. Yeah, the home and home is Soldier. I much prefer a home and home. Like that would be agreed. Getting Notre but, Dame to come here would be cool. Getting Alabama to come here, which they are. Uh, is yeah, going to be twenty twenty four for Alabama. Like that is that's that's much better. I asked Nelson about this earlier. What are you more excited for twenty twenty or I'm sorry twenty thirty when UCLA comes to town or twenty thirty two when Virginia Tech allegedly comes to town? Do you know when that Virginia Tech series was originally supposed to start? Wasn't it like a couple years ago? Two thousand eight. I thought was like how long have they been pushing this thing back that, for? That's when that, that's when that was originally set to be played. Two thousand and eight. Yes, and, and it's, it's out of twenty thirty two. Yes, and what's I, the point? I don't think it's going to get played. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say I don't think it's going to get played. But do you think the world's going to be around in 2032? Based on the last few days, probably no, probably not. <laughs> uh, and I have my Twitter poll. How do you want your apocalypse? The, a meteor, a super volcano, an incurable virus, or murder hornets? What would you vote? What's the quickest? Probably the meteor, right? If you're in the impact zone. Um, hopefully, it's that biggest meteor that's ever hit in the entire planets the uh this week this week <laughs> the they, have, they had this week they have one flying close, close to earth which is like still like three million miles Yeah, i saw that one but it's the size of a football field yeah that's significant that's a i think that would do it yeah um, and there's another one next week that's coming a little closer it's about a million and a half the virus just wouldn't do it quick enough yeah and you'd have we'd have to go through all this crap all over again like trying to i feel like murder hornets you just stung and then you die so See, but they're not actual murder hornets. Well, this you got to play along with the scenario. Here. I know what you have to play along with, but okay, human murder hornets that we're talking about. Yeah. Do they does the does it kill you right away? Yeah. Okay, then you yeah. just I you're be fine until you get stung. Maybe there's like a would five. I see, would I see the sting coming? Yeah, you could run away from it. Sure, I'd imagine it being kind of big and menacing looking. I'd rather just be, you know, not see it coming. I'd rather just be standing in front of that meteor as it just barrels down on you. 
I'd welcome it with open arms. Well, none of this matters because you're going to be a stuffed flag man already. So, when the, uh, assuming the if world, we're in a po- post-apocalyptic world, assuming the, the yeah, uh, we get hit by the apocalypse here. Yes, I will. <laughs> I will uh, be your flag man, but it necessarily won't be me. Yeah, you'll be dead. I'll but be we'll, dead. We'll stuff you, perhaps with a couple of bullet holes in my head. That's taking a turn for the worse. <laughs> uh, you're sticking around for one more? I have a yeah. recruiting question for you. Yes. All right, we'll be right back to, t- <laughs> to talk, not end of days. D-U-N done. But 2021 recruiting, Wisconsin football. Wisconsin just stacking recruits for 2021. Can you tell us a little more about defensive end Mike Jarvis? Not really. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, he's actually... Uh, you know, maybe not as high rated as some of the other guys they've gotten, but another New Jersey kid that uh, had some nice offers and, uh, you know, chose Wisconsin. They've That's the second one this week. Also added Daryl Peterson, the outside linebacker, excuse me, Patterson from um, Peterson from uh, Ohio. Outside the kid linebacker. from Akron. Yeah, 21 sacks last year. Yeah, he's the steal, isn't he? Because he was being recruited, was it by Alabama? Alabama, and- Alabama Michigan, uh, Penn State, like, yeah, there were some some big boys in that conversation, and they and they got him. Um, they they're right now the class. I think you know when I looked at it yesterday, it was they were ranked 17th in the country, which is uh, higher than what their class finished last year, which is the best class in school history. They've got some other guys that are that they're looking at that could potentially keep them up in that top 20 range. Uh, T.J. Bowler's a kid out of Iowa who uh, was actually I believe an Iowa legacy, like his, his dad played there. Not even doesn't even have him in their top five. Um, but it's between them, Nebraska, Notre Dame kind of thing. And then uh, Nolan Rucci from Pennsylvania, his brother. Yeah. His brother is Hayden Rucci, a tight end at Wisconsin right now, but his brother is the a five-star offensive tackle and Wisconsin battling Penn State for him. And uh, his dad played at Penn State and actually was played for uh, New England when the Packers played them in the Super Bowl in the mid-'90s. Um, Todd Rucci, he was, he was uh, a guard on that Super Bowl team for New England, mm-hmm. but – um, Wisconsin apparently really really good spot for him too. So they have some a couple of big names they could potentially get. Well, didn't the brother say he was going to beat him up if he didn't come to Wisconsin? <laughs> Unfortunately for Hayden, uh, he's no longer bigger than his brother. His brother is huge, um, and and like Hayden's a big guy. Hayden's like six four, like two fifty, but he's he's, he's dwarfed by uh, Nolan. It's yeah, so pretty cool for Wisconsin, though, man. They're stacking. Uh, do you uh, have a sense now with them continuing to just dominate recruiting and whatnot? Are they going to be able to take that next step? Are they going to be a hang with the Ohio States coming up? The Alabamas? The I don't know what you mean by hang because weren't they up? Well, okay, multiple scores against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. <laughs> yeah, for a little bit of time they were. That was I don't know. I mean, that's that's hanging with them. Are, are they going to be able to be able to get over the? Are they get, get over the hump and beat them? The hump? They've been there the last two times, right? They, yeah. were, they were within. Uh, Eventually, something's got to give. Forty-three yards of beating them in 2017 had a huge lead that obviously didn't go their way uh, this past year. Ohio State's, but the thing about Ohio State is Wisconsin's recruiting is is really good. Ohio State has the best class in the country. Ryan Day has just continued to build build on what Urban Meyer's done. It's going to take something special. It's going to take a special Wisconsin team to be able to get over the hump and beat Ohio State. Like that's just. It is what it is. I mean, Ohio State is recruiting better than anybody. You have to hope that you can continue to build and get a couple of these five-star guys, and you know maybe you've hit the hit jackpot with uh, Graham Mertz. Like to me, to me, that's what it has to be. Like you could be even along the lines, you could be even, you know, in the backfield, you can be even in different places, but you have to have a quarterback that can take be at a different level. Yeah. And you have to have a secondary that can be at a different level. And that and to me that's where Ohio State really dominates Wisconsin. It's at quarterback and it's at defensive back and that's going to be tough to overcome. God, they're getting so close. They're just chipping away. They're almost there and then what do you think of them being ranked fourth for the college football power index? Yeah. Wisconsin. I think they've got a lot of questions to be ranked that high. I saw it and I was like, that might be a little high, but it is. I'll and, take it. But here's the thing, who do you have more confidence in going into next year assuming that we play? 2019, or excuse me, 2020 Wisconsin football, or 2020 Wisconsin basketball? Because Wisconsin basketball, they put out, Ooh. they put out this new, this new. Uh, write uh, that down. ESPN, what, what's it called? Uh, the uh, the tournament thing they do, uh, bracketology. ESPN put out, yeah. For whatever reason, uh, they have Wisconsin as a two seed. Ooh, I like that. Where's your confidence level in those two? I honestly, two? I think I'm more confident in the basketball team than in the football team coming up. 
Well, the basketball team has way less number of question marks. They do. But you also have to wonder, is the team that won eight straight, is that them? Yeah, reigning coach of the year. Or are they the team that was a little above 500? Right. Greg Gard declared themselves national, declared them national champions on this show. With the Wisconsin football team, you don't know because they lost so many top playmakers. Right. I think the confidence has to be higher in the basketball team. Oh, agreed. And you got those recruiting classes coming in. Yeah, five guys coming in. Huh. Yeah, a lot of new guys. Five starters. All the all the starters going to be seniors. So <laughs> if it's if they're going to do it, they're going to get back to close to where they were. Five years ago? We need sports. This is the year. And I think Trice turns like 30, too. He, he possibly does. <laughs> he's, he does. He's a, he's, he's a little older. Hey. That's fine, though. No, I don't care as long as we get some sports and some basketball. Him and Aline Ford both. Uh, Zach, appreciate your time, man. Yep. Thanks, guys. Well, I I would like to get you back on tomorrow. You just sparked an idea for me for tomorrow's show. Beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. You are a beautiful mind, Heilprin. I'll tell you that. I'm here for you. I'm, and I am here for you.